0: The Four Horsemen. What
1: you have here is the Four Horsemen, united, live and
0: Excited color. Um, not those Four Horsemen. These Four Horsemen discuss theology from different viewpoints, different perspectives, as we show people how to have discussions without turning into a keyboard warrior.
1: Are you stupid?
0: Now, here's Dennis Thurman, Adam Black, Benjamin Kerfman, and Terry Hollifield, The Four Horsemen. Horsemen, welcome to the seventh episode of the podcast for Horsemen. The perfect number. (laughs) The perfect number of horsemen, or seven. Seven is the perfect number. Says four is the number of the world. Chief Dennis, four tempests. So uh, we are going to be talking about the topic of politics today. Um, Interesting, lots of uh, political things going on all the times. Is always a timely topic was a stated goal of our podcast to be able to, and to help others be able to, navigate difficult and even taboo topics uh, in a way that honors the Lord and also maybe helps our fellow disciples of Jesus grow in their walk uh, with Jesus. So, uh, And also, I would say, to challenge unbelievers as well. We want to train in how to do that without becoming a keyboard warrior, right? Exactly. was some of the stated goals of our podcast. So the topic for today being politics falls right into that both difficult topic and taboo uh, topic sort of category. Specifically, I want us to talk about a Christian theology of politics and the intersection of the two. And we'll talk about things like whether Christians should be involved in politics at all. Even uh, the proverbial how would Jesus vote <laughs> types of topics, maybe. So first, as we normally do, I want to encourage our podcast listeners to do in their conversations as well, I want us to find out where one another's coming from. This is kind of the definitions component of the podcast. We can just go around to one another. How would you describe your view on Christian theology of politics in like four or five sentences? So we've got short paragraphs here, right? We've got a bunch of horsemen. Let's try to do it. Short paragraphs. This is the elevator conversation, right? You, you know, you've got just a brief amount of time. And you want to describe your view of a Christian theology of politics, um, brevity may not be our strong suit. But let's let's see what we can do. Who wants to go first? Benjamin uh, volunteers
2: Adam to uh, give to give his. I was. Do we have a second on the motion? I second, second, second. that
1: motion. <laughs> right, <laughs> and then it passes. Um, Christian theology on politics, uh, for me personally, it's pretty simple in the sense that this we are just traveling through. Right. Sojourners. Uh, yeah, everywhere. we're just sojourners and uh, heaven is our final resting place. However, I think that the way we that needs to be first and foremost is Christianity and gospel is our number one priority. But then uh, I do believe that um, we are commanded to be a part of um, the political scene the best we can uh, with that biblical worldview. Um I think those two politics and your politics and your biblical worldview should line up. Um, they're different, and I believe that is a problem. Yeah. Okay. Uh, questions for
0: Adam before we move on? No questions. No questions. It was clear enough, wasn't it? Motion yeah, yeah. moves forward. All right. Uh, we'll just move along. Dennis, what about you? with Christian theology of politics in your view?
3: I believe that we're citizens of two kingdoms. Yeah. We are certainly in the city of God, and that's our ultimate allegiance. That's Augustine reference. Yes, it is. Augustinian. That's right. And so out of that, though, we are in the city of man. And so we have to relate to that culture that we're in. Jesus said he was not taking us out of the world, right? Uh, that we're in the world, but not to be of it. So we're to behave by a certain set of principles that guide us in every dimension of life. Uh, we're not to be compartmentalized. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're to look at that whole gamut of life, and that certainly includes government. This is a
0: Schaeferian right here. This is Francis Schaefer, right? There you go.
3: Okay. I'm just a mixture of all kinds yep, of wonderful yep, people. Yep, yep. But um, <laughs> when you think about living in this world as salt and light, Jesus established that in the Sermon on the Mount, that our light's to shine, that we're to function as salt, which arrests the spread of corruption. And so if we're not involved, in fact, I would say it this way, that it's impossible for a Christian not to be involved in politics. Mm. Because if they set out, if they drop out, they're actually involved. They're causing other people to make decisions uh, that they can't counterbalance or uh, they can't uh, put forth their own views and so forth, so I think we've got to do that, however, I would say this is uh, the
1: second paragraph
3: yes <laughs> <laughs> well listen, he gets more time because right.
2: he he yes. studied longer than anybody in That's the exactly room.
3: <laughs> as we think about uh, functioning in this world. Um, we must obey God rather than men. So if the government tries to squelch our faith, tries to say for again, Dennis, amen. Brother. We, we've got to, we've got to step up and, and obey God. So we're not compelled to follow immoral or unjust laws, but we have to be prepared to suffer the consequences sure. from that. Sure. Yeah. Without
0: question. I appreciate that. Benjamin, what about you? Christian theology of uh, politics.
2: I'm not a theonomist, so I don't think that we need to declare holy war on everyone that's not a Christian and uh, set up a theocratic government. So that's different from,
0: from, uh, uh, <clears throat> from Augustinian uh, politics right there.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, <laughs> Especially some people in the Reformed community would have more of that view that... Right. When, uh, Calvin himself. Um, mean that, yeah. 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 <laughs> Poli- Honestly, politics isn't something I really even think about a whole lot. Mm-hmm. I-, I would agree <clears throat> that... Uh, we have a responsibility as believers to be salt and light when we, when the opportunity presents itself mm-hmm. and that we can demonstrate the gospel through the political positions and decisions that we take. So I do, I do think that it's important to have a biblical worldview with regard to issues, uh, surrounding politics. Mm-hmm. I think too many Christians put more stock in a political system than they should. Mm mm-hmm politics may be a means by which we express our faith, but our hope is not in politics. We do not see ultimate justice being enacted through a political system or anything like that. The true kingdom of heaven is what we're pursuing and we do want his will to be done on earth as, as it is in heaven. And so if we have an opportunity to make our earthly government more like a government that pleases the Lord, then I think we should have the right to exercise that. Um, but at the same time, our hope is not to try to make America like heaven. Our hope is to bring people to the true kingdom.
0: Make it great again.
2: <laughs> yeah, if it was ever great to <laughs> begin <laughs> with. Uh,
0: so for me, I mean, I have the uh, advantage of having written it down because I knew I was going to ask a question. But to me, a, a Christian view of politics kind of stands on two legs, sovereignty of God and the volition of man. I think God is obviously the ultimate king and has to have our ultimate allegiance. I think we all have have spoken to that. I think he desires for us to bow to his authority over, and like you said, Dennis, over every aspect of our personal lives. And that would, and I think that includes not only individually, but corporately uh, as, as believers as well. So I think that means that we're to seek, to bring God's kingdom to reign in our hearts, of course, but also into the society around us uh, best we can. So that happens first and foremost through converting souls of men and women to, to be uh, regenerate uh, by the Holy Spirit. And that we, if it's true regeneration would result in a life that is reflective of the heart of God. But also I think it, it it's in ordering society or politics to reflect the nature of God as well. Justice and beauty and, and things like that. Mercy and those sorts of things, uh, honoring the uh, image of God that is on humanity. And um, the structures that God has given us to be co-regents of this creation, he's, he's placed us in. I think that mandate is still upon us. Um, so that would be my, my view of Christian theology of politics. So then, kind of being born out of that, Ben, you talked a little I'd like to hear from you first on this, I think. You talked about how the ultimate Christian hope isn't to be found in politics. And I think our other horsemen would, would agree that our ultimate hope is in Jesus, so given that we would consider that to be a fact of reality from a Christian worldview, what then is the appropriate role of politics and the life of the Christian? Now, when I say politics, I mean voting and maybe writing your senators and trying to convince people of your political position on Facebook and, you know, this broad spec picketing or whatever it is, this broad spectrum of things. In your, in your mind, what should Christians participate in? Maybe what shouldn't they participate in? That sort of thing.
2: I think a lot of that ties in with our last episode on Christian liberty. I think a lot of that can be a conscience issue. I think the the principle that I would encourage people with, like, for instance, members at my church would be, don't live your life in such a way that people question whether your allegiance is to America more than Jesus.
0: Okay, so what, in your view, um, kind of clarify, what, what would it look like, what would a life look like that might make someone ask that question about that life? You follow what I'm
2: asking? Yeah, uh, well, so for exa- example, uh, last week in Dallas, Dennis and I were at the Southern Baptist Convention. Mm-hmm. Vice President Mike Pence was there and he spoke and, and said a variety of things, many political things, but some were, were more. Kind of, uh, hmm? kind of his job to say
0: political things. Kind of his job to say political things. Right,
2: yeah, I mean, it's what you would expect from, so, from a figure like him to do sure. that. But at the same time, he also offered some encouragement and, and some other things, and so. It wasn't strictly a political campaign speech, but that was definitely a, a part of it. But one of the one of the things that I noticed, and I know several others noticed, uh, was he made a statement, for instance, about wiping ISIS off the face of the earth, mm. which got a standing ovation and applause from the Southern Baptist Convention. Mm. That I kind of have an issue with, mm. because the Lord doesn't delight in the destruction of the wicked, and we shouldn't either. Now do I affirm justice? Yes, absolutely, as a Christian I affirm justice but I don't I don't necessarily delight in justice yeah. um, I can delight in mercy uh, because that's something that I receive but but I don't necessarily delight in justice and I think that would be an example where that sends a clear message to the world of you're way more concerned about America blowing up Muslims than you are about Muslims coming to We're Christ not
0: specific Muslims
2: well We're and we, and in that he was talking about Isis <laughs> yeah. which is which is an Islamic group I mean obviously yeah. not all Muslims yeah. would affiliate with Isis but I think I think what that's going to be interpreted by by the media and by the world when they see a standing ovation towards the eradication of a people group from the earth by c- supposed Christians is that um, basically Christians are pro genocide. And I don't really think that that's the message that we want to send is mm-hmm. that you know we support wiping people off the face of the earth so
0: so to our to our um, topic about how, politics should affect the Christian life, or not affect, but what ways should a Christian be involved in politics, you're saying that that, that view, or that what you saw at the Southern Baptist Convention um, sort of looked like a political position had superseded a theological position in the believer's life. Is
2: that what you're saying? Or, or even more specifically, a moral one. Like, like, like I said, I think theologically, like, we can understand concepts like, like uh, just war and justice and sure, that kind sure, of thing. Sure. I, I think the issue for me is, is when, when politics compromise a biblical morality. Mm-hmm. When you get people who are saying, I'm a Christian, but I'm pro-choice, that, that's actually a moral argument that you're making. It, it is theological in nature, but, but my thing is, like, I can disagree with somebody theologically on a lot of things. I don't disagree with people theologically on killing other people or what the Bible teaches about sexuality. Those kind of things are are just as moral as they are theological. So, for instance— Well, but our morality is born out of our theology, is it not? Right. But, but I mean, like, for example, okay, I I can disagree with someone who is genuinely a Christian who loves Jesus and has a different view on universal health care. Mm-hmm. Like that—that's not a moral issue. But if somebody comes to me and says, "Like, I, I think we should blow all Muslims up. I think we should wipe Islam off the face of the earth," I'm going to take issue with that. As well, a and
0: we'll, I appreciate that. We will return to some of those issues because I think it's debatable whether or not universal health care is a moral issue. Right? That's—that's that's to be debated. We can talk about that. What about you guys? The—the the proper role of politics in the life of a Christian. What—what is what a good, healthy, balanced? Christian life that involves politics look like to you, Dennis or Adam? Well, I I think part of that would have to do with your calling. If God has called you to be in
3: a position of government, Mm -hmm. then politics is going to be
0: uh, a great source of your attention. So let me pause you you there. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's your view that Christians can be in political office. Like Mm -hmm. Christians should seek Political holiness. Okay. In fact, not only
3: that they can be, but they should be pursuing that. Okay. Of course, it's up to the electorate, electorate
0: mm-hmm. to put them in. But, because um, that's, that's debated among the church, you know, like.
3: Well, I, I understand. Yeah. But for instance, when, uh, when John the Baptist is calling upon Herod to repent, you know, he, he doesn't say, and also then you need to abdicate your position.
1: Right. When
3: Paul's appearing before Agrippa, He's sharing his testimony, wanting to be converted, but doesn't say, and by the way, if you want to really be right with God, then you'll have to leave your uh, position of responsibility. You've got people that Paul leads to faith. Uh, He speaks about those in Caesar's household. Mm -hmm. And so there's several examples that you can give of that. Of course, in the old Testament filled with people in government positions like Daniel, uh, and uh, Nehemiah, Esther, God used in, in powerful ways. So I do think that if you're in one of those positions, politics is going to be a way that you express your faith. Now, for me as a pastor, to be deeply involved uh, is going to take away too much time and energy and attention from what my calling in life is. And so God does gift us and assign us specific roles, I think. But to totally just step out of that uh, into monasticism, if you will, Mm Uh, to just be away from the world, not be involved. Just think about why God has ordained government Mm -hmm. to do two things in Romans 13, to praise those that do well and punish those that do wickedly. Mm -hmm. And so if we don't want uh, law to restrain evil and help promote righteousness, and all we gotta do is step out of it, and believe you me, the the wicked will take over. And yeah, this makes
0: all. Leg- I mean, it's very clear biblic- biblically that any legislation is legislation of someone's morality. Absolutely, it, it is. Yeah, it's just a matter of whose morality is being legislated.
2: That that's a total illusion in our society. Is the idea of neutrality? Like neutrality right. does not exist. It's not real. The idea that uh, I'm not making a moral decision or. My worldview is not influencing my decision or I'm being objective. That's just baloney.
0: Yeah, and it reminds me of the political statement. We can get into, again, these specifics here in a little bit. But like with the topic of abortion, for example, oftentimes um, presidential candidates or candidates for any other office who uh, may claim to be a Christian, um, perhaps for political purposes. Maybe they generally believe themselves to be Christians. They would say, well, I would never have an abortion or I personally think it's wrong but I'm not going to force that morality on someone else. Well, the question is, well, why do you think it's wrong? If it's the taking of an innocent life, electively, then are you saying that you wouldn't force your morality of taking an innocent life, electively, on, any, on some, We already have laws about that. Mm-hmm. Do you support those laws? You right. know, So I, I agree, there's no such thing really as neutrality, even though you take this politically posturing uh, position. So, so, okay, Dennis, so as a pastor, you're saying that and I, and I think what I hear you saying is that, okay, I, if I've got one message, the gospel that right. I'm supposed to be about, Correct. I shouldn't be unduly um, uh, burdened by an overcommitment to a political message to the detraction of the gospel. Am I hearing you right?
3: Sure. And what's going to happen is I preach the gospel is that people's hearts are going to be changed. Their minds are going to be informed by the truth so that when they go vote, I don't have to tell them what party to support or what uh, policy to endorse or what candidate to vote for. They're going to be informed through the lens of Scripture if I've been faithful to preach that. Also, if I've got a, a city councilman or like in our case, in our church, we've got a member of the school board uh, that's sitting out there in the congregation. And so if I'm preaching the truth and that's going to help them in the decisions that, that they are making, I trust, if I'm being faithful to the gospel so uh by that extension i think i'm having influence without just getting up every week and beating the drum of you know you've got to vote pro-life or you've got to support you know policy xyz mm-hmm. but there are going to be
0: times that the text speaks to it that i'm going to deal with it very directly mm-hmm. yeah okay okay appreciate that adam what about for you man what um you and i have lots, have had tons of political discussions over the years uh, and I, I appreciate you coming over to my side on those things. <laughs> but, <laughs> the right side. <laughs> right, right. Uh, the, the right side of history. On these <laughs>
2: side. Adam's left wing is broken. <laughs> uh,
0: but for for you, um, uh, Dennis addressed the pastor thing. Uh, and I think you would probably mostly agree with that. What about for the, the layperson out there, maybe our podcast listener who isn't a pastor? How would you describe what your view would be of a healthy involvement in politics Uh, For a Christian that's not, uh, you know, out of balance in either direction.
1: Well, I think the simplest question to ask is what are you known for? Mm -hmm. You know, do people know you by your discussions of the gospel and Jesus and and that? Or or do people know you by your love of Trump? Like, would people know that you're a Christian? You you, You see people who are so passionate and so vigorous about politics, yet they won't tell people about Jesus or they won't. You know, I don't want to share my opinion on that. And so that kind of dispels that myth of I don't like talking to people about. No, you'll talk to people about politics a lot of times or sports one. So mm-hmm. really, what are you and doing? really passionate? Say, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And so what are you known for? And that was something, you know, a while back, I felt like I was more known for my political views than I was for uh, for Jesus, honestly. And so I've really tried in my own life. Kind of shifted
0: that, it to the LeBron discussion. Yeah. Now.
1: yeah, which, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, but no, King I mean, James. I think that what are you known for, you yeah, know, especially sure. like on social media in particular, are you, are you talking more about politics or the gospel, yeah, you know, yeah. you know? And so if people don't know you, if they just viewed your Facebook page, what would they think? Do you believe your savior is Jesus or Donald Trump? Or
0: Obama. Okay, so what about the local church then? We have talked about sort of pastors and lay people. The church. Let's talk about the church. Uh, the church body itself. The church as an entity. Right. How involved, or should the church be involved in the political process? What does that look like? Um, Notice you, you've obviously been a pastor uh, for quite a while and have seen lots of political issues rise and fall and come and go, and they tend to cycle back around and. Um, you've been through uh, conservative um, political environments and liberal political environments. How has how have you encouraged your uh, the churches that you've served to navigate politics uh, corporately as a, as a church body?
3: Well, as a young 20-something.
0: Right. Yeah. Things are be a little different. In, yes.
3: in Burnsville. Okay? Right. right. <laughs> what I did was take a Xerox machine. You ever heard of Xerox machines? <laughs> <Okay. laughs> okay.
0: Microfish. Yeah. and yeah.
3: And, and out of the Asheville Citizen Times, they had a comparison, an editorial page between the positions of Ronald Reagan and Jimmy Carter. So I copied that and I gave them out nice. on the Sunday morning. <laughs> this was before voter guides could be, uh, right. purchased and looked real slick and whatever. Right. I didn't tell them, you know, what was what. I just said, here you go. You need to look at these. Mm-hmm. And I assumed they could make those kinds of decisions. So, We've been so
0: to be informed.
3: Yep. Information, I think, is important, giving those out. Now, we'll come much later at Pole Creek. Uh, Pole Creek's a polling station. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you look at the results of how people vote down here, they, they vote right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they do. But, but that's more a reflection on our community. And I hope some of those values that we've poured into <laughs> the people. And our Westwood
1: voting well. station would probably be, probably a little bit yes,
3: sad. it probably yeah, yeah. would. You can't even yes, get a Republican catcher in Benton County, yeah, yeah, yeah probably.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> and and we allow politicians to come in and address the congregation. We pray for them, uh, and we've had both Democrats and Republicans. Um, in fact, when we celebrated uh, our 100th anniversary as a church here at Pole Creek, uh, Mark Meadows was here, he heads up the Freedom Cau- Caucus. Um, he spoke. Uh, but then we had uh, Brian Turner, who's one of the notable Democrats in the state government. Uh, he's, he shared as well. Was this on and Sunday so, morning? This was on Sunday morning. uh yeah. But they weren't talking. Yeah, I'm going to come to you in a minute on that. Well, but, but they, of just course, weren't it. addressing policies or whatever. They were talking about the church and its role and, you know, just giving us a good round of applause for being a good influence in the community. But the visibility was there. Yeah. And uh, sometimes we've had a special Fourth of July patriotic ser- service, which may cause some people to freak out. Yeah, and you guys have a have a flag, American flag, regularly in the auditorium. In the auditorium we do. Auditorium. When we have vacation Bible school next week, we'll do the pledges to the American flag and the Christian flag, and to the Bible. Mm-hmm. We'll we'll do all of that. We got one flying out front. Mm-hmm. This, the cross on the steeple, though, is much higher yeah. than the American flag. Yeah. But I don't have any problem with that because we're not worshiping those things. Now, some people would, mm-hmm. but but to me, uh, I think the ideal of what America was designed to be is, is what I love and what I treasure. The freedoms and liberties are there. Uh, we don't always reach that ideal, but I, I think what it was designed to be is, is what you know, still moves me to tears when the Star-Spangled Banners is played, and so forth. So, uh, we'll sing some patriotic songs. But again, it's not a big thing; it's not all the time. Yeah. I think there's a. I think it's well balanced. It might be one, two, three times a year. And to me, back to to Adam's point, people that are are kind of squishy about this whole matter of involvement in politics, they're going to hear me uh, if they hear me a lot, and they're going to say I'm too political. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, people like. You've talked about that are just so zealous politically. They're going to think I'm squishy. Mm-hmm.
0: So to me, I think I've got it about the right balance.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, Ben, I, I, when when we Dennis was talking about having a flag on on the 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 podium there in the auditorium and um, singing some patriotic songs and things like that. Now that doesn't jive with my inclinations either. Now I served on staff uh, with Dennis, but even as I said in the congregation, I that doesn't sit right with me. And I would imagine it doesn't sit right with you either. So since I'm hosting this episode, I will let you speak to, And we may, we may, that may sit. Um, it's about time we got in an argument. <laughs> right in way, that,
2: that may I know, sit this has been the most agreeable conversation right? on politics that's well, ever happened. That's gone out the window now.
0: <laughs> so that may not sit well with you for different reasons than it doesn't sit well with me. So let, let's hear from you about that.
2: I think the short answer is, is like I've mentioned with other things. I think Sunday morning is explicitly for God's worship. And that uh, any kind of uh, affiliation um, that we have outside of explicitly worshiping God just isn't necessary. Mm-hmm. So we try to just keep it as simple as possible. And so I, I wouldn't be opposed to, for instance, like what Dennis said, if you did a Fourth of July celebration at the church. Or um, maybe if you wanted to do like like a dinner to uh, recognize veterans or something like that. Like I don't have anything against that. But Sunday morning, um, we're just not about that. So like... Like, even, like, this past Sunday was, was Father's Day. We didn't do any special Father's Day stuff. We just did our service and um, actually uh, preached on some controversial stuff because <laughs> it just happened to be where we were at in the text. Um, and so we just try to kind of keep Sunday mornings just just kind of keep the ball rolling with things. So we, mm-hmm. we don't have um, flags in the sanctuary right now. We don't have any kind of... Um, uh, american uh, decorations um and part of the part of the reason why we do that is like i said to keep things simple and and not distracted but part of it is is we want to send a clear message that um, this building is an embassy of heaven yes Yes. and that that's the nation that's represented here and that uh, everyone who's a citizen of that nation regardless of their affiliation with america is welcome so for instance we have families in our church that we're not born in America, um, and so they don't uh, they may be citizens now after immigration, but they don't have a sense of patriotism like a lot of Americans would mm-hmm. and we don't want to send the message to them of well, if you don't feel a particular way about America, then this isn't the church for you The main concern is is how do you feel about Jesus mm-hmm. and so we just see that as a way to eliminate that and and that's not me condemning any church that has that of, oh, if you have an American flag in your church, you're insane and you need to repent. It's not that. But I would say that it, I would ask them to, to just consider, you know, is this creating an unnecessary barrier to, to people who are trying to come into worship?
3: Yeah. So, so let me ask you a uh, follow up on that. Those folks that are from other nations that are there, do they have aspirations to become American citizens? In, in most cases.
2: Well, they are. So, so for instance, okay. uh, so for instance, we have a um, we, uh, one of our deacons uh, is originally uh, from Africa, and so he is a U.S. citizen now. So,
3: what did he have to do to go through that process?
2: I don't know all the details. I know the immigration process takes a while usually. Depends which immigration process we're talking about. I'm talking about, le- I'm talking about le- the legal immigration he, process. He,
3: well, he, he had the pledge uh, to the right. flag.
2: But, so. it's, but it's interesting that, that this seems to be primarily an American issue. Mm-hmm. So, so, like, so for instance, you wouldn't go to Nigeria, where he's from, and, and see Nigerian flags in a church building. Mm-hmm. like That wow. wouldn't really be it. Um, I mean, the, the only other instance that I can think of where national flags are in there was in Germany. You know, under Hitler's reign oh, when, yeah. when they were flying that. And I, I, I'm not saying that America's evil and all that kind of stuff. But I'm just saying that there was a sense of nationalism, the same mm-hmm. thing in Russia and countries like that, mm-hmm. where um, there's a strong sense of nationalism. I don't think we're that way as Americans. But I um, think we do. But I wouldn't want to be confused for being that way.
0: I agree. I, I, and I think that's, that's my sentiment as well. You know, I, I, I pledge allegiance to lots of things. But like you said, I really like that, that uh, analogy you gave, that this building is an, an embassy. For the kingdom of heaven, um, and so yeah, my my concern would be to give a mixed message about that. I, I'm I'm actually a pretty patriotic person. <laughs> I, w- I love this country, um, but I, I would take the same position. What's the goal of having the American flag in the service? What's that? What's the purpose of that? We're Americans. Correct.
3: But but I, again, I think it comes back to that dual citizenship that I was mm-hmm. talking about. I think it's trying to say to people that, yes, you are Americans, but ultimately you have your allegiance to God, but you're going to function in both those domains and you have to understand the purpose of which. And and you don't say that we're going to compartmentalize, was the word I used earlier, Mm -hmm. and say here in this place we're going to be a certain way and when we get out in the world. And I'm not saying y'all do that. that We're going to be different. But I think if you want to know why we want to do that, I don't want it to be any, any different.
0: See, isn't it it possible though to communicate that we have dual citizenship and a responsibility to be involved in politics. And and I have some very strong political views without pledging allegiance to the United States of America in our worship. Sure.
3: Sure. Absolutely. And and I would not judge you or Ben. In fact, if you think it's wrong, you absolutely should not do it because it would be. Yeah. But on the other hand... It doesn't bother my conscience. I can't find anything biblically that speaks against it Mm -hmm. as far as I understand the scripture. Mm -hmm. And so that's not to say that they're not, uh, you know, you you can go somewhere and there's uh, churches that promote uh, white supremacy. Uh, You you can go and find all kinds of nut jobs out there that are uh, overzealous in certain areas. But that's not who we are. Mm-hmm. It's kind of where I come
1: from. Like you said, we're going to do something here and then we're not going to do something here. And, and then where does that, where does that end? For example, I was told on the elephant room by a guy that I should repent for being in the military. Right. Um, wow. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I remember seeing that. I wouldn't agree with that. that I that wouldn't I, agree with it either. But,
1: but my point <laughs> is, is that if he took this as a, now if, that was probably from a violence standpoint though, wasn't it? No, no, no. It was, it was the idea of, my allegiance is in heaven and not Uh, America. It's almost like the Jehovah's Witness position uh, that we're not, you know, so I think that that's, that's the slippery slope that you can get down. That's the position you almost have to take if you go down that far enough, you know, because he was saying, well, his whole reasoning behind it was um, that you shouldn't take an oath to die for the die for America, that that was where I was wrong, that that's where I needed to repent. Mm -hmm. And um, so when I hear people talking about, well, we don't want to have the flag in there. We don't want to, we don't want any form of patriotism. We don't, you know, and I'm not saying that's what you guys are saying, but I have been seeing it more and more. Uh, I don't see it really any different than, than the left is saying we're ashamed of America. We don't want to be associated with America. It's almost the same type of ideology in a sense and i think again i know you guys don't hold that position but i think that's the slippery slope
0: that you can go down well and um, i think that slippery slope goes in both directions though i'm yeah. sure oh
1: absolutely yeah absolutely and that's where yeah. i think that balance you know i've seen people it was in the discussion the other day on the elf room of uh, you know just Almost anti-politics, you know. I'm I'm a citizen of heaven, you know. I'm a
2: but you know,
1: and we are, you know, we are an, yeah. an embassy the of heaven, and but don't touch our tax exempt status. Don't right. you know? Don't right. you know? Right. If if our and, that, and that's my
2: point. If you're going to make that argument, be consistent. Bingo. Okay, so that yeah. leads to my next question. <laughs> Perfect.
0: So we've talked about you know our ultimate hopes, not in politics. And yet we're supposed to be involved in politics as Christians to sort of bring the kingdom of God to bear on the kingdom of, of man and honor the Lord in that way, sort of uh, reclaim the fallen uh, world, so to speak. But I want to talk about some potential pros and cons of legislating Christian morality. One of the reasons that people sometimes tend not to take political positions from the pulpit and that sort of thing, like you said, Adam, they're afraid of losing their tax-exempt status. So I want to—I want us to talk a little bit about some of the nuts and bolts or, or finer details. Uh, so, for example, Ben, you're, you said you're not really involved in politics that much. You don't think about it that much. You're not a dentist, you think about it uh, seriously. And you do as well, Adam. But I think you guys have different, Dennis and Adam have different political leanings to some Little degree. way isn't? liberal than I. Am. Yeah, right. Right.
3: <laughs> if, if I find somebody <laughs> farther to the right than I am, I repent and move. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, so, so for example, I guess I'll, I'll hone in on on you two guys. Actually, I have three of you. Let, let's talk about just one political issue that's been big in the church in the past and continues to. to Bear on our witness as we speak to those who are not in Christ. And that is the idea of um, the legislation of marriage issue. There's an argument that marriage is something given by God, not by the government. Therefore, the government shouldn't be involved in marriage at all. That would be my position. A libertarian. Libertarian, like lowercase l, libertarian. I just think
2: it's biblical.
0: I think that's a biblical view. Yeah, I would agree. Uh and I disagree. Not that all libertarians are are biblical. No. Uh, no. Certainly not. Um, but then there's a view that we should push towards that kind of legislation because it's pushing back evil. Mm-hmm. Right. And then there's some who say that's that's not evil. And that, you know, so there's this big spectrum of things. So let's just take that one specific issue. And how do we look at. OK, since even though the the uh, political process is not our main Source of redemption it's not a source of redemption at all, at all or even our our ultimate hope. what does it mean then to to seek that type of legislation as a way we think is somehow saving culture as far as
1: marriage is concerned I mean I hold the position I think we all would agree that marriage is between a man a, a man and a woman who are Christians yeah um, I don't believe this is where the, I don't believe non-christians non Christians can technically be married Uh, I I, I just I don't believe that from scripture because it is a covenant between one man one woman and God and so um, so the idea then that we need the government to legislate marriage and push back on evil well if if my belief is that non-christians can't be married then there's no point in putting legislation because
0: so you, I, I, so you feel like it's if, if, in order for if Christians look to the government mm-hmm. to um, sort of legislate morality from the top down, so to speak, rather than from the heart of right. um, which it just, this gets to all the issues. Right. Mm-hmm. You Are you saying that you feel like it's the church sort of giving up the definition of marriage? I, I do. And I think the only way in my view that the government
1: would be involved is to say that only Christians can be married. So I think that that would be the only way that you could technically legislate it. Her, Dennis is about to come out of his chair. <laughs> That's what you got. Well,
3: totally if you go back to the creation, God is the one who established marriage, the covenant of marriage, right? With Adam and Eve and, and, and so forth. So that it does not matter whether you're a Christian or wh- whomever. If you enter into that covenant relationship as a husband and wife, you are... In a sense, doing the will of God, even sinners can do that. The two atheists could could do that
0: theoretically. Two
3: make, atheists they, can
0: enter a covenant before God.
3: They they sure they do when they make those promises to each other, make those vows. God certainly oversees all things. What what if
2: they go to the justice of the peace? Would
3: would matter again so, because so government they, has a role. See, this is an, another area I disagree. Government has a role in this whole thing. Romans thirteen says that. Uh, Rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good and you will have praise from the same. And so we oftentimes focus on the justice part of wrath on wickedness, but government also has a role to help promote good things. And you don't have to be in a church or to be a Christian to know that marriage is beneficial to society all you got to do is look at the statistics for children that grow up in a fatherless home and so forth. Without
0: question, but wouldn't a, but wouldn't a government contract serve for that same purpose? What's the difference between a covenant and a contract?
3: Well, well a contract of course is, is an agreement where two people agree to do certain things. I'll scratch your back if you'll scratch mine. A business contract, you know, I'll provide a service if you'll pay me a fee. And, and so a covenant is where you're not going in
0: 50-50 partnership, but that you're committing your all to, to one another. 100, One hundred, one yeah, hundred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you're saying that an atheist can deny the existence of God
3: mm-hmm. and still do God's will.
0: That's uh, not what I asked, Okay, but still enter into a covenant with God.
3: Not with God. They well, you a said a few minutes ago. Well, they could. they're entering into a covenant with each other under the umbrella of what God has ordained and instituted. So, so let me ask to you this way: If an atheist refuses to commit murder because he believes it's wrong, does it really matter what motivates him in his heart? He's still doing.
0: Well, I think the will on a practical level, it does not matter. Right. But on a theological level, it certainly matters.
3: Well, yes. I mean, we can do
0: the right thing for the wrong reasons. Well, sure. It's still sure. wrong.
3: But, but it's still to the benefit of society. Yeah, so that's what I'm
0: saying. That's where we can have like a uh, societal contract between two parties. Sure. Or three parties. You could get married in the justice
3: of the peace. Correct.
0: And, and But I wouldn't consider that a marriage. Well, I would.
3: Yeah. And the government can well, see that. how would you
0: that define way. marriage? Yeah, that's a good question.
3: Okay, marriage is a commitment between a man and a woman. And as I view it, theologically, it is two believers coming together in the will of God. So you're
0: saying there's a secular definition of marriage and then a Christian definition of marriage, but we can mix the two. Well,
3: obviously, there is a secular definition of marriage. That's why you've got men marrying men, women marrying women. And and I would say that that's not what
0: a marriage is. Well, no,
3: because that's, again, not part of God's original uh, compact with the human race. Correct. Okay?
0: Right. <laughs> I agree. So you said... You so said so just,
2: two people... So you can have a believer and an unbeliever uh, get legally married, and that's still considered a marriage, too?
3: Theologically. They, they shouldn't... I mean, I wouldn't counsel them to, and, Why not? and I wouldn't do the wedding. Because you're asking, still
2: getting married, right? But
3: you're asking for all kinds of, of problems out of that. Plus, Scripture prohibits me. Well, you would be me. doing that if you were marrying two atheists, too. S- scripture prohibits me from doing that. Well, I didn't say I would do that for two atheists. I'm just saying to me that's... But that's you're saying they're
2: really married. Yeah. yeah. So even if they're unequally yoked, they're really married. They wouldn't be unequally yoked,
3: if they were both atheists.
2: Well, I'm saying, but if it if it was an unequally couple that got legally married, then you would say that they really are married.
3: Well, I would say I would say, and Paul talks about this. He addresses this in First Corinthians, where he says that if that unbeliever will stay with you, you don't forsake them.
2: But that would don't be don't implying someone who got saved after they were married. I,
3: I understand that, but it still doesn't change the living arrangement. Where if two people get married, I wouldn't do the wedding, okay? But if they are married, I'm going to try to help them stay together and work things out. Hopefully that, uh, unbeliever can come to So family. you're saying, are we talking sure? past, we talking
1: past <clears throat> each other? Well, because you said I, I'm you trying to, in your definition, you said in your definition, and I just want to clarify, cause I think maybe we're talking past each other. You said in, in your definition that it is a man and a woman who are believers, correct? In your definition of marriage. That's what you said. That's what you said. You you said, you, you said that too though. You did say that. Yeah. Well, that's why as, i was really confused. i was like, hold on a second.
3: I'm talking about is i officiate at a ceremony okay. in a church.
2: So 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 let me understand this. So so the argument that you're making is is the dif- the difference between whether someone is really married or not. So say you have a couple that's living together and then a couple that is legally married. They had a legal ceremony.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: The couple that is legally married is really married because of a legal process?
3: Yes, because God has ordained government for the benefit of society, and that is so. Then, so do then, the marriage the thing so that
0: the government ordains as legal is good before God.
3: Not necessarily.
2: You're saying but that, I, in but that, I, but, that I do, context.
3: but I do agree with this. It would be,
2: but but, my So my Injusted question is, why? my question is this, because I think I think what Adam is referring to is some of us are seeing marriage as a primarily spiritual institution, and others are seeing it as a primary physical institution. So if you're talking about a physical institution, if someone is legally married, then by the physical definition of marriage, yes, we can say they're married. But spiritually, I think most of us would say that spiritually that is not a real marriage. I would
3: not disagree that they cannot fulfill that spiritual component. I mean, there's no… Well, okay. I, I think
2: I think there's some clarification okay, there cool. because yeah, okay. what I hear some of us saying is is it's not really marriage and some of us are saying it is really marriage. But we're talking about two different
3: things. But, but I think we're back to our original.
0: Uh, yeah. thing. I'm about to steer us back
3: as, on the as we, as we went off into a ditch. Well, but I, I believe yeah. government has a role in in saying those things and promoting yeah. marriage. And so I'm going to help push for policies and laws that come from a,
0: a biblical worldview. Yeah. Well, and I would push for a policy or a law that says the government can do contracts. But they can't do a marriage. That's what I would. Can they perceive. do
3: a contract in in homosexual relationship?
0: Yeah, yes. they can do whatever they want. Okay, it's not a marriage,
3: and but you're not concerned about that.
0: I did say I wasn't concerned about it. That's why you would support it politically. politically. I would support the government's right to make legal contracts for the which same basically reason. Basically, what said.
3: they, which is basically what they've done. And it, well,
2: but they call it marriage. they call
0: it marriage, and and since they do and we have abdicated the responsibility of who who marries who to the government then now the government is beginning to impinge upon the church based on what the church says is a marriage and is not a marriage
3: but but you can't uh, as as a believer and as a pastor Whatever the government may say, that's one of those things where you've got that higher allegiance. Without question. I'm just saying saying that we've shot ourselves
0: in the foot by giving that responsibility to the government. That responsibility is to God and the church. Well,
3: I don't think we've given them that responsibility. I I think think more and more they have assumed that responsibility because
0: we've not been involved in those kinds of issues. And therefore we've given it to them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I, I think that discussion was really good. I'll, I'll
2: just say for the record, I'm with Terry. Yeah. <laughs> You're
0: on the right side of history, dude. I think that that discussion was good for maybe our podcast listeners to hear that we can actually practice what we preach. You know, we, we want to be able to talk about things where we really disagree. If you could see us looking at one another, we, we <laughs> really, punched me, by the way. yeah, we really, <laughs> disagree, by way. Way. yeah we, we really disagree, but you didn't hear us raise our voice. Now you heard us be very pointed with each other and ask difficult
2: questions, that sort of thing. But, um, nobody's calling each other names. Nobody's or, calling each other names on or, the podcast. Or, yes.
0: Afterwards. Yeah, it's after, all yeah, we
2: edited all that stuff uh, out. So
0: <laughs> hopefully, you know, while we didn't, I, I didn't certainly intend for us to get into anything like that. I hope it's helpful for our listeners. Um, to see that sort of thing play out, and, uh, and, I, and I, think it, I think it would be. So we only have just a few minutes, and I want to uh, wrap up um, by asking, is Jesus a Democrat or a Republican? No, I didn't want to ask that. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but so based on the conversation we just had, how can our podcast listeners, how, how would you encourage them to be able to, if, maybe if they're not involved in politics, to get involved politically, you know, be politically minded in a healthy, balanced, kingdom first Christian way. Uh, That's question number one. Question number two, how do we, this is a big question, how do we deal with one another in our congregations when, you know, you may be sitting there, you know, I'm sitting here as a, as a lowercase L libertarian saying that, you know, I, I I have problems with the, the, Pledge allegiance to the flag in in the church. And, you know, you're sitting over there as a Republican saying, how can my my brother uh, over there be uh, pro-choice Democrat? And how can this person um, be okay with the immigration situation? And, uh, you know, we have all these questions and it can create some, some angst or animosity between people who are really brothers and sisters in Christ. How can we navigate that? In a healthy kind of way. So, two questions. You remember the questions?
1: Mm-hmm. Put it on the T. The easiest way I can say it is: uh, study Scripture and begin to develop biblical principles towards politics, and not be about the R or the D. Because I think that what happens is is the discussions aren't about the the necessary policies or the principles behind the policies. It's more about my team winning or your team winning, and so a lot of the argumentation goes down of, well, I love Donald Trump, but well, what's the principles behind why you support Donald Trump? Well, uh, he's a Republican. I vote Republican. Well, you know, the same with Democrats, because the party politics thing is what is killing that's our country. divisive,
0: and, and it really just kills any kind of intelligent conversation. Right, and, and so
1: that's why I'm saying it kind of goes to both of your questions is when you have those conversations in, in, in your church, it's not about what is your opinion of Donald Trump? Well, let's, let's talk about immigration, for example. Sure. What, what, what would we say the biblical principle is behind that? And I think you can hear that type of stuff from behind the pulpit more rather than just saying, I endorse such and such. I
3: so I, I think two things are absolutely essential. One is very clear cut in scripture. And that is we start with prayer. We're commanded specifically to pray for whoever's in authority and to give thanks for them with to the end result that we'd be able to live a peaceable life. So I think we encourage our people to uh, take a list of their government officials. And it doesn't matter whether they're a D and R or whatever the case may be, that we pray for them. And, you know, I found it is it is virtually impossible to really sustain animosity toward anybody that you pray for.
1: Yes, I mean, God
3: changes your heart. He true. doesn't change theirs, and he can do that certainly as well. So that's the first thing. Second thing is... That you focus on policy over partisanship. Yes, that's Adam's point. Yeah, yes. that, that policy is, is the thing that you have to focus on. So that if a Democrat uh, can't really imagine, but if, if they come in and they are very actively pro-life, you know, and uh, and pro-marriage uh, as the Bible describes it, if if they if they take those views, then i I feel comfortable voting for them. Sure. On the other hand, if there's a Republican, and and they're uh, quote pro pro choice, uh, you know, and and have that kind of uh, philosophy, I'm not voting for them. Yeah. I don't. And, and so it's the policy.
1: Even and, if they're going to win, even if you, you shouldn't vote for somebody who can't win, well, <laughs>
2: don't, don't throw your vote away, brother. Yeah.
1: Don't vote on principles. Yeah.
2: So, so to The principals don't win elections. <laughs> they legislate schools. <laughs> <laughs> it's a spelling
0: problem. All right, Ben, what about you, brother?
2: Um, I, I would say a, a couple of resources I would recommend. There's a, there a new book that's out by jo- Jonathan Lehman, who's an elder at Chevrolet Baptist, and uh, it's called How the Nations Rage, and it's specifically about the topic of in the church, how do we address political tension and that kind of thing. I was given a free copy of that. Um, Last week at SBC Dallas paid endorsement. Um, Yes. Yeah, and uh, my other Southern Baptist endorsement is um, Look at the ERLC the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. They are designed to help uh, Christians navigate some of those issues and you may not agree with everything on there But there's at least some perspective that's coming from people that believe the Bible is the word of God and um, And that we should be involved in politics And so even if it's just food for thought and you don't agree with it it can still be helpful So those are a couple of resources that I would recommend um, to listeners to check out. And then as far as dealing with the issue, uh, this is something that the words really challenged me on because I tend to be a very kind of black and white dogmatic person. And um, I don't know, it's hard hard to believe. (laughs) It's hard to believe. But one of the things that I've realized from making friends with people that are extremely different than I am politically and even morally is like listen to people's hearts, like get past the issues, kind of like what Adam was saying, like find out like what what's the real reason, you know? Uh, because what I've realized is is that sometimes the reason why somebody uh, say has it has a different understanding of. Um, of healthcare or abortion or something like that, it doesn't mean that if somebody's pro-choice, it doesn't always mean that this person hates babies and is pro-murder and very, you know few, all this kind of very stuff. Few. There, there are some, there are some, there are sure. But I have met Christians who I believe really are Christians and they support that. I th- I think that they do that in ignorance, which is why I disagree with them. But I think in their heart is is they they're thinking more with their emotions, but they're thinking from a position of, of really caring for people and mm. wanting good for people. Mm. And I think that that's something where uh, too many times our, our party politics and other things cause us to not even hear people out and, and just bash somebody of like, oh, if this is your position, you're automatically the worst person on earth. If or you're on that team. Or we yeah. could
0: have righteous zeal. For, so for the pro-life position, for example, I think it's an, it's a highly moral issue and I would, I would be, I'm extremely pro-life <laughs> For moral reasons, so you know we can be motivated by a righteous reason, but carry out that motivation in a really unrighteous way.
2: Right. Yeah. Well, and and I think and I think to go along with that, there are a lot of believers that are trying to navigate this. Yeah. And I think the only reason that any of these issues are complicated is because of sin. Yeah, um, the Bible is very clear <laughs> on what pleases God and what doesn't please Him. So the reason why politics is difficult is because sin is in the mix. And so one of the things that we have to do is try to have good discernment. And God says that if we pray for wisdom, that he'll give it to us. So we should ask him for it. I think Dennis makes a good point of prayer. Mm -hmm. And I think think that's part of it is, is, you know, if you've got that person in your church that's really different from you politically and you think that they're wrong, how much are you praying for them? Mm -hmm. And how much are you talking to them not for the purpose of pulling them to your team, but for the purpose of, of really hearing their heart of like, maybe this person's really broken about something. And, and that's why this issue means a lot to them. Sure.
1: Yeah. I want to throw something out before Terry closes this out. You mentioned resources. One of the best ones. And I might jump his gun. I don't think so. But go on YouTube. Francis Schaefer, The Christian Manifesto. It's, it's really just, good. The sermon that he preached. Jerry Falwell's church. I'm probably jumping ahead. (laughs) I've got
0: got the printed out uh, text of the sermon.
1: (laughs) But I I read the book. Yeah, yeah, the book's good, good, but download the video. Yeah, it's fantastic. Spot on. He was a prophet.
0: Yeah. Um, So, and I I would obviously echo everything that all you guys just said. And I would also encourage um, pastors to educate their folks in biblical worldview thinking. Um, mm-hmm. you know, because if we, if we, if you really think about it, uh, theology is the queen of the sciences, right? So mm-hmm. everything is sort of, if you think of theology as like the ground and the rest of our thinking is the roots and the trunk and the limbs and the, and the leaves of the tree. Um, so if we build up our thinking from theology to philosophy, to anthropology, our view of humans, then to the humanities and psychology and things like that, and then to, to civics and government. You see how all of these things flow, but we usually think of them, Dennis, as you started out our podcast, referencing Francis Schaeffer, in bits and pieces, where these are separate ideas of our thinking, and we don't try to put them together in a systematic way. So our, our, our ideas are all over the place, we just don't re- realize that. So I'd encourage our pastors and leaders out there, and even as lay people, you can do your own homework. I would recommend a ministry to you called Summit ministries, you can go to summit.org. I'm a
2: 2005 Summit grad.
0: That's right. Ben Ben knows all about it. Um, they have some tremendous worldview training materials that I've used uh, in ministry for a couple of decades almost now, and they've really been uh, helpful to me personally and to folks that um, that I've used them with. And then lastly, I would encourage you to get off Facebook for a little bit or social media. Or pointing fingers and actually go have coffee with the person that you disagree with. Look them in the eyeball in truth and love and hash that thing out. It is healthy and biblical and godly and good, but as Dennis said also, man, let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart as you do that. It's really difficult to love someone and pray with them and pray for them and be super angry at the same time. So. Uh, thank you for listening to this episode of the Four Horsemen podcast. And we look forward to dialoguing with you on Facebook, in the comment section, or in person. You can continue the conversation online by visiting us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the number four horsemen. Don't forget to tell your friends and enemies about the podcast and be sure to subscribe and review. They look
2: at me funny when I talk like I got a speech impediment. Homie, check my passport. Heaven, I'm a resident. Like a conscious rapper, but do more than master president. I see brothers coughing, so I hit them with the medicine. On the other side, they say their grass is greener. Seen the
1: forecast,
2: man, they calling for Katrina.